You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Permit me to read just a portion of the sermon text for today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, just the beginning portion of it. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The Word of God. A euphemism, according to Webster's Dictionary, is a mild or pleasant word or phrase that is used instead of one that is unpleasant or offensive. There are a lot of euphemisms for death, aren't there? When a person has died, they're referred to as someone who has crossed over or or passed away or passed on. I have received phone calls from nursing homes informing me that a a member has expired. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a lady whose husband was close to graduating. You do a quick Google search on euphemisms for death, and you'll find everything from joined the choir, gone to the great beyond, cashed in, checked out. As it turns out, we just don't like to say that a person has died do we? I've also received a, a phone call from, from members who, who, who let me know that a loved one has fallen asleep. Maybe you've heard it expressed that way. Maybe you've said it yourself, too, that death is just sleep. I mean, that sounds so cliche, doesn't it? Death is just sleep. Isn't that just candy coating it? Isn't that just minimizing it? Isn't that just trying to paint a rosy picture of it? Death is just sleep? Oh, that sounds good, we may think to ourselves, but come on. Death is just sleep. Is it really? Well, consider that we are in really good company when we refer to death as sleep because the Apostle Paul wrote these words today through inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he refers to the death of a believer as one who has fallen asleep. And it wasn't just Paul either. Then it was, it was Peter and Luke, those who also referred to the death of a believer as just sleep. Interesting, isn't it, that I've given you three examples of of men who have referred to death as sleep, three individuals who spend time with Jesus. So it's not just a coincidence that they refer to death as sleep because that's how Jesus described death of a believer too. And not only did he describe it that way, he demonstrated it by raising Jairus' daughter, by raising Lazarus, And finally, by raising himself from death, too. So, death for the believer is just sleep. We're not talking about euphemisms here. We're talking about an actual explanation of death for the believer. It really is nice 
And a blessing for us that God, in his word, uses sleep to describe death. Because even with all of the advances in science, even with all the many books that are written on the subject of death, there are some things we just don't know about it. But sleep, on the other hand, now that's something we know pretty well. Generally speaking, sleep is something we look forward to. Sleep is something that gives us a rest from our daily labors. Sleep is something from which we all awoke this morning. As an example, I have gone to sleep some 14,510 times in my life, and I have woken up every single time. And just as surely as I will wake up when I go to bed at night, even more certain for me, for us, is that we will be called out of our graves by our Lord Jesus. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. This isn't just me trying to candy coat death. This isn't me just trying to paint a rosy picture of it or trying to minimize it. These aren't my thoughts on it. This isn't my teaching on it. Maybe the most comforting part of this entire lesson is found at the beginning of verse 15, according to the Lord's own word. Death for the Christian is nothing more than a sleep from which we will awake to a grand and glorious new and eternal day with our Savior Jesus, with the angels, and with all the saints that have fallen asleep before us. I mean, don't just take my word for it. These are the words of our Lord Jesus himself. Death is just sleep. Another reason I'm thankful for this description of, of death is because this is something even our children can understand. At least in, in our house, when there's something we're looking forward to, we'll, we'll, we'll tell our children that it's only six more sleeps until grandma and grandpa are here. Only five more sleeps. Only four more sleeps. There's joy and, and anticipation in talking about sleep. And now think about when we share with them that death is just sleep. Sleep is not bad. Sleep is good. It brings us closer and closer. Death is, is just sleep. On this particular day of the church, your saints triumphant, there's one lady that comes to my mind in particular. I, w- I won't use her name, but it has been 2,875 sleeps since she fell asleep in the Lord. There are two ways of looking at that. Two different perspectives on that. The unbeliever will look at that and say it's been 2,875 sleeps since we last saw her. We're getting further and further away. But that's not us. That's not our perspective. Our perspective as Christians is we are 2,875 sleeps closer to seeing her again. We're not getting further and further away from her. We're getting closer and closer to that glorious reunion. Death is just sleep. And this isn't just me trying to paint a rosy picture today. This is what Jesus, our Savior, tells us it is. So there we have it. Now that we have reviewed that, consider this. Have you ever grieved when someone went to bed? I I have never grieved when someone simply went to bed and went to sleep. In fact, if you listen closely enough, at about 7 o'clock every night, you'll hear a little rejoicing from the Schultz household. 
There's no grieving going on. Have you ever grieved when someone said, I'm going to bed? You know where I'm going with this, right? Does that mean then that we ought not to grieve when the Christian dies because death is just sleep? Well, I know a a widow who was questioning her own faith at the funeral of her husband because she was grieving. But nowhere does God tell us that we shouldn't or can't grieve. Nowhere does he tell us that. In fact, you, you look at just about every example in Scripture, every individual, they have moments where they're grieving. Even Jesus himself grieved. His friend Lazarus died, and Jesus knew it was only sleep. Of all people, Jesus knew it was only sleep, and yet we find Jesus grieving. It's not wrong to grieve. It's just that we don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. There's the difference between Christian grieving and the grieving of the unbeliever. One is built on the foundation of hope, the other isn't. And our foundation of hope is is as solid as can be. It's built on the death and resurrection of Jesus. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. I also want to bring 1 Corinthians 15 to your attention today. That's the resurrection chapter of Scripture. And in it we read this. If Christ has not been raised, well, yeah, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The Christian's hope is far-reaching, looking beyond this life, this world. So it's not wrong to grieve. It's just we don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Now Chrysostom, it's a strange name to our ears today, but Chrysostom is the name of a, of a Christian from many years ago, a leader in the church. And this week I, I read a sermon that he preached at a funeral of a friend. Let me share with you his perspective on the place of grief for the Christian. I do not say that you should not grieve. To grieve is natural. But to be overcome by it is madness and folly and unmanly weakness. You may grieve and weep, but don't let it turn into hopelessness. Instead, give thanks to God who has taken your friend that you have the opportunity to honor God and the departed one. If you become hopeless, you withhold honor from your friend. You displease God who has taken him, and you injure yourself. But if you are grateful, you pay respect to him, you glorify God, and you benefit yourself. So weep, but only weep as your master Jesus did over Lazarus, observing the correct limits of sorrow. Consider to whom the departed has gone and take comfort. He has gone where Paul is and Peter and the whole company of saints. Grieving is okay, it just has its limits, as we don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Now today, Saints Triumphant Sunday, the second to last Sunday of the church year, and it's a wonderful day, one of my favorites of the entire church year. 
How many saints triumphant do you know? Those who have already fallen asleep in the Lord are at the marriage feast of heaven now. Parents, grandparents, siblings, friends. That's why this day is such a blessing for us, much like Easter Sunday is. Because it gives us the reminder, the encouragement that death has been defeated. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as it turns out, death actually did our loved ones a favor as it ushered them into heaven. And it'll do the same for us too. That's why Saints Triumphant Sunday is such a blessing because it keeps us focused on the big picture. You know as well as I do how easy it is to get bogged down by the daily details of life. How easy it is to get fixed on the here and the now, today. But Saints Triumphant kind of pulls us together, reminds us of the big picture, and gives us the ultimate encouragement that Jesus died and rose again and that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. See, sleep is not just a euphemism for death. It's an actual explanation of it. And we are told at the very end of today's lesson that we are to encourage one another with these words. And I pray that's already been going on this morning, that we're encouraging one another with these words. Those who have fallen asleep in the Lord will be called up and woken up once again. But today isn't just about them. Those that are already enjoying the, the, the marriage feast in heaven. Today is also a, about us. And, and the, the incredible words of encouragement for us and, and the prayer to keep us watchful for our triumph, which awaits us all. And that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to be the waiting church, the one who is waiting patiently and looks for her Savior and says, Come, Lord Jesus. But there are challenges, right? There are challenges. We live in a fallen world, and that poses a lot of challenges to us in our everyday lives takes our eyes off of off the big picture, and then it can actually become a temptation to start grieving like the rest of men who have no hope, or at least complaining like them. But that's why we have the encouraging words for us today. And so that's what we'll continue to do. As we have today, we'll continue to do it. We will continue to encourage one another with these words. As we're doing it today, we will continue to do it in the future, starting this afternoon, starting tomorrow, we will encourage one another, watch, wait, and pray. Same prayer that we already prayed today. Keep us ever watchful for the coming of your Son, that we may sit with him and all your holy ones at the marriage feast in heaven. Grant that, dear Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.